shame. Your failures are not final. Written by Bishop C.M. Wright. Unresolved shame is the most debilitating spiritual condition with which we contend today. It is the root cause of almost all Christian inconsistency, and it is the primary reason many do not pray. It is the foundational reason for almost all backsliding. Let's examine shame and its effect upon the lives of God's people within these next few weeks. This is what we'll be going over, and I hope that you enjoy it. If you need the notes for this lesson series, they are on our link tree, which is on our Instagram and in the description of this podcast. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Breaking Apostolic Taboo. If I seem like I'm talking fast, it's because I'm at work and I'm trying to record this episode before I have to do anything. And so if you hear an echo, I'm sorry, I'm in a classroom, um, but here we go. We're talking about deception of shame. If God forgives so readily, why do I feel the need to constantly repeat or repent over and over again the things in my past that God's word says has already been forgiven? A, because I'm dealing with shame, not guilt, which is convic- or conviction caused by God. Again, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. I am a brother. He accuses me too. His goal is to get me to accuse m- me to myself. He tries to undermine my faith in God by telling me how unworthy I am. In 1 John 3, 19, 22, he says, And hereby we know that we are the tr- we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And er, for if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then then have we con- uh, convinced confidence toward God and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight even though God has forgiven me I do not feel forgiven why because I have not forgiven myself that is shame shame undermines my faith preventing God from being able to answer my prayers my heart condemns me shame gives Satan access to my thoughts in first timothy 3 7 it says moreover he must have a good report of them which are without lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil the lies he tells me about myself overwhelm me and i allow him to catch me in his snare the devil's goal is to sow the seed of lies to me about myself then step back and allow me to finish his work for him his ultimate triumph is for me to stand in opposition to myself, dutifully repeat, repeating all of the accusations he has implanted in my mind. In 2 Timothy 2.25-26 it says, In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves of God pre-adventure earth will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. When I allow Satan to coerce me into opposing myself through a verbal assault con- uh, conducted by me upon myself, I then open myself to being taken captive by Satan at his will. Recovery from the snare of shame. A person thus captured must be taught how to ex- uh, 
extricate themselves from the devil's snare. In 2 Timothy 2, 25-26, it says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God pre-adventure will, er, pre-adventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The source of this recovery is a sound mind. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because of your adversary, the devil, as a roar lion uh, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Soberness, that is a product of right thoughts or correct or factual thinking, thinking that is done with a clear or sober mind. If we are able to free from Satan's influence, we must be freed from the intoxicating delusion of his lies that we have come under the influence of. God has not given us the spirit of uh, timidity, uh, spiritual paralysis, but the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. In Proverbs 23 and 7 it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. He eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of the issues of life, for out of it are the issues of life. Matthew 12.34 says, O generation of vipers, how can ye be, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. That which is in our hearts will come out in our actions and our words. The spirit of the saved mind given to us by the Lord is impartation of the ability to do what is right because our inner thoughts have been saved or healed. The teachings of the truth of God's love for us and the confirmation of the Holy Ghost bearing witness to our hearts will bring us to the point of deliverance. And saved from shame. God's method of solving the problem of shame is very specific and is very effective. It is not based on psychology. It does not promote the idea that my problem is permanent and that I must learn to cope with it. God is a healer and a deliverer. In Romans 7, 24 through 25, it says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God, though, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is his perfect will and plan to make each of us into a new person. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Galatians 6, 15 says, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And John 3, 3, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, That ye put off concerning the former con- conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness one of the key elements of his plan is to make us new is to neutralize the effects of the works of the kingdom of darkness in our lives in 1st John 3 and 8 he says the committeth sin of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The message of of deliverance that the Lord is trying to communicate to us clearly seen in the life of Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. John 11, 43-44 says, And when he thus had spoken, he cried, 
with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, unto them, Loose him and let him go. Even as Lazarus was not completely free when he had been raised from the dead, we are not completely free after we have been saved. He was alive, but he was not free. He had to be loosed from the confining and hindering nature of the grave clothes. The Lord commanded the disciples to loose him and let him go free. I cannot bring any of the residue of my past into my relationship with God without the relationship suffering significantly. Obviously, they had to put something else on Lazarus after they had removed the grave clothes. So too does the Lord with us. He first causes us to be loosed from the binding of shame of our past and put on us the covering of his love and righteousness. Becoming immune to shame. Jesus was not subject to Satan's insults or influence. Why? The Lord tells us in John 14, 30, Hereafter I will not talk much with you. The prince of his world cometh and hath not uh, nothing in me. Jesus made it clear why he enjoyed such a success against Satan and why he had no fear of Satan or his influences upon him. There was nothing in Jesus that, that Satan could use to overpower him. If we are to be free from shame, we must identify and deal with those things that Satan is claiming as his and he is using to influence to overpower us. It is possible that we can be like the Son of God and not have anything in us that gives us adversary, any flu, any influence of or power over us. Yes. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Paul was not speaking about giving up memories of childhood or denying our origins. He had to be speaking about things from our past that were having some kind of negative effect upon us and and are keeping us tied to the past. According to the definition noted above, the Greek word translated put away is a very strong word. It is not simply talking about growing up or moving on. Paul had to be referring to those things from our past, our childhood, that negatively affect our walk with God. Since the subject of this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13.11 is found about loving God and others and maturing in our manifestation of his love, one would have to conclude that these things Paul is declaring that we should put away must be things that negatively affect our ability to love. What could that be? Shame in those things that cause us to feel shame. From the Greek word that the Holy Ghost had Paul used in the verse, it is a responsible responsible tool to conclude that the Lord has a way to cause our past and the things of our past to be idle, to render inactive, idle, useless, ineffective, to destroy, cause to cease, do away with, put an end to. That is a very strong and conclusive language. In addition, with Paul, it is always, always denotes a complete set, um, Cessation, not a temporary or partial ceasing. This is God's promise to us, complete and permanent deliverance from freedom and wholeness. God's method of dealing with shame. God's method of dealing with shame was first demonstrated in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3-7, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. In Genesis 3-21 said, and to Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. God took away their shame by taking off of them the aprons of fig leaves, and they had made and clothing their nakedness with coats of skin he had made. In Psalms 44, 15 says, My confusion is continu continually before me, and the shame of my faith hath, face hath covered me.
He made the coats from the skins of the first creatures in God's creation to die. We know from typology that animals must have been sheep. The law had to be satisfied, someone had to die. The coats uh, represented the results of the first substitutionary sacrifice known to man. The death of these innocent creatures provided God the opportunity to pardon guilt of the guilty man. This sacrifice demonstrated the love of God for Adam as an individual and for man in general. So I'm going to end it here and next week we'll come back and we'll finish up this series. Um, I really appreciate y'all tuning in and I hope y'all have a blessed week. And this is Bailey Romans and let's start talking.